Hello. Hi. Welcome to the next episode of the Brio in the Box podcast. We are back. Back in the closet. Back in the closet. Out of the tropics. Out of the tropics. Off the balcony, back in the closet. It's cold here. It's cold in the prairies. Yeah. But that's okay. So like new year, new you. Yeah. You know, a lot of people thinking about cleaning up their diet, starting the year off right. Maybe the holidays got a little out of control. This is going to be my year. (laughs) 2023. (laughs) One. So we're going to talk about the best and the worst of food and some things that are highly overrated too. So the big levers of like, if you wanted to pitch something out of your diet, what would you start with? The best things you could add to your diet and then what are just totally overhyped and not really worth your time. Yeah. We're going to start with the bad stuff first. We're going to go negative first. Let's just get that off our chest Get that bad stuff out of the way. Yeah. So it's not that these are in a specific order or anything like that. They're all bad, but... The one we're going to start with, it's, you know, it's a, a, a good one for me because as talked about in previous podcasts, this is the one I used to shower with. <laughs> <laughs> so cereal, especially cereal first thing in the morning, probably one of the worst things you can eat. And also oatmeal, cereal and oatmeal yeah. is the same thing. But I feel like we need to pause in case anybody <laughs> missed that episode of David's shower cereal <laughs> and what the F you're actually referring to. Prior to me knowing him, and I only learned this live on a podcast not yeah. that long ago, that David used to shower with a bowl of Vector cereal. I liked having nice, long, hot showers. Shower cereal. I liked sleeping in. I had to have my bowl of Vector in the morning. And so I would get up and I would make myself a big bowl of Vector. <laughs> and I would get in the shower and I would eat my, my Vector in the shower. And then I would wash the dishes. And See, that's the part that really got me. That's the part. Eating in the shower, fine. But washing the dish in the shower, and then I'm just picturing like <laughs> soggy bits of cereal stuck to your feet while you're trying <laughs> to shower. Mean, it was never like that, but yeah, it was, it was, weird. It was a weird time. Okay, so, you know, David's Anyways, matured, grown up, moved on, cereal, no longer squishing cereal with his feet in the shower. Regardless of whether you eat it in a shower or not, <laughs> cereal itself is not the best choice first thing in the morning yes and especially as, the time of it yes. yes and as you spoke about oatmeal it's like oatmeal is one of those things that people you know be like oh it's healthy it's oatmeal but like you can get oreo cookie instant mm-hmm. oatmeal stuff and it's, that's basically just a cookie yeah you know? like it's it's by no means any better there's than, like brown sugar cinnamon yeah and the cookies and cream flavor there's one that's like dino eggs yeah. that's like literally just has candy in it <laughs> That's a cookie. Yeah. That's a cookie. You're eating so, a cookie. You're eating a mushy cookie for breakfast. In the shower. <laughs> so, so, so like the biggest problem with cereal is that it is just empty carbohydrates, right? Yeah. Like there's, there's no real nutritional value to highly processed carbs. And even if they've added some sort of like vitamin or mineral mm-hmm. to the cereal, it's no different than taking like a multivitamin or it's just some a, sort of supplement. Right? Yeah. It's, when they're like fortified, it's just a fake yeah. synthetic vitamin. Yeah. It's not a health food. It's just, you may as well just take a multivitamin. Yeah. yeah. So you're starting your day, you get up first thing in the morning, boom, you know, huge blast of sugar. Mm-hmm. We actually did that little experiment with, with Vector where you mm-hmm. had the kids in the kids cap pour out what a bowl of cereal would be. And for me, like I used to have a big bowl of cereal and we measured it out. And it was probably like three servings. Yeah. Like my, my bowl of cereal was three servings and they say, you know, however much carbs or sugar and not mm-hmm. serving and you're like okay now you're tripling that yeah and i think we figured out what was like 80 grams of sugar or something in my bowl of cereal well the 
I don't know what yours was. I don't remember doing that with you, but with the kids in the summer camp. So I bought a, a box of vector cereal because I thought I could easily do this with like Lucky Charms or something that yeah. we know is sugary. I'm going to do it with the one that on the label presents itself like it's a health food. It's like high protein and whole mm. grains and all these things. I gave one of the kids the box and a bowl and just said, just pour out as much as you would normally eat. And then we weighed it on the kitchen scale and we did math based on the nutrition facts. And it ended up being... I think it was close to 200 grams of carbohydrates. So including the sugar and the carbs, because yeah. that's the thing. Even if you pick a lower sugar cereal, you're like, oh, I'm going to eat my bran flakes. bran flakes or whatever. Yeah. The whole thing itself is starch. Yeah. Like the grains that it's made with are carbohydrates. As you're chewing it, the amylase enzyme in your saliva is breaking starch is just chains of glucose stuck together. It's cleaving off those little glucose molecules into just pure glucose as you're chewing it, like before it even hits your stomach into the digestion part of things, it's already just pure sugar. So yeah. whether or not it has added sugar doesn't really make it <laughs> really any more or less healthy, a little yeah. bit less healthy, but so cereal itself is a buttload of glucose into your bloodstream. Yeah. You have a higher secretion of insulin in response to the same amount of carbohydrate if you eat it in the morning versus the evening. So if you start your day with a high amount of carbohydrate, you're secreting more insulin and then you're just setting yourself up on this roller coaster all day. Yeah. You're just going to be up and down, hungry, hangry, poor glucose management, like brain fog, mood swings, like all the things that go along with poor glucose management. And then if you choose a sugary one on top of that, sugar is glucose and fructose stuck together. Sucrose is sugar. The fructose part of that doesn't go to your bloodstream as blood sugar. It has to go to your liver to get metabolized because your cells can't directly metabolize fructose. And mostly what fructose turns into is fat, actually. Fructose is the most lipogenic of any of the macronutrients. And excess fructose causes a condition called fatty liver disease. Fructose in the liver is metabolized basically the same as alcohol. So it causes the same conditions, the same diseases that alcohol does in the liver. The only difference there is alcohol has different effects on the brain, but right. basically, and especially in relation to like kids, sugar is the alcohol of the child. Yeah. Kids now are ending up with diseases that were formerly only known in hardcore alcoholics. Yeah. It's called NAFLD now, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which is the exact same condition as fatty liver disease. They just differentiate how you got there. Right. So not a good way to start your day. Not a good way to start your day. Yeah. Really any type of cereal there's, so you're, you know, you're overwhelming your blood glucose system and your hepatic system and all this kind of stuff. And then like you mentioned, it's also not providing you with any real nutrients or nutrition. Yeah. There's like very low protein and you know, some of the ones that say like high protein on them, it's counting the milk yeah. <laughs> that the cereal was in, which then you may as well just drink milk. Yeah. You don't need to put cereal in it. Yeah. Or It'll be some low quality, like poor amino acid profile plant-based protein. It'll be wheat gluten or yeah. something else that's like soy protein or whatever, not yeah. what you would want. And a lot of the cereals, like they're pretty low fat. There's not a lot of protein. So there's nothing to really slow down mm -hmm. the digestion of it all. So it's just like a blast of sugar first thing in the morning. Yeah. Really starts your day on a bad path. And any like vitamins or minerals it does contain, chances are they're just there as fortified or yeah. fake vitamins. So better off. Yep. There's much better choices you could start your day with than cereal sure. or oatmeal, for sure. I do recognize that a lot of people are just very attached to their oats yeah. <laughs> in the morning. I posted a recipe, and it's still on the Bria website, for a protein granola. So it uses a little bit of a whole, like a large flake sprouted oat. So 
the minimally processed oat and the sprouting process helps you digest it a little bit easier. And then mix with some nuts and seeds. You put, I think it's some egg whites and then a scoop of our protein powder and you bake it. It makes a crunchy granola, chunky things. So you reduce the carbohydrate content. We increase some vitamins and minerals with more nuts and seeds. We added more protein with egg whites and protein powder. And then if you could take that and sprinkle it like a garnish on maybe high fat yogurt or something with more protein and more fat, you can make that macronutrient profile or micronutrient profile of your breakfast much better and still have that little taste of your oats in the morning. It just doesn't need to be 75 grams of carbs hitting your bloodstream. I think one of the biggest problems with cereal is that it's delicious. (laughs) Yeah. Super delicious. (laughs) So you're like, I want to eat a whole bunch of this. Yeah. So you just, you have a giant bowl. I think when we figured out for mine, like a bowl of cereal is like 80 grams of sugar or whatever. Probably. Like a can of Coke is 38 or 40 grams of sugar. So it's like you're having two cans of Coke for breakfast. (laughs) Basically. Not the best start to the day. Yeah. So yeah, cereal, not ideal. Yeah. Next thing is similar. It's just a little bit more of a like clear, concise, this isn't a breakfast food. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about baked goods, specifically commercially baked or produced goods. Mm-hmm. So that's going to incorporate things like muffins and donuts and cupcakes and, you know, even to some extent, bread. Yeah. Right? Cookies, those kinds of things like the store-bought ones, the shelf-stable ones, especially large-scale commercially produced, chances are it's going to use obviously lots of flour and sugar but also like margarine. Yeah. If you're buying a store-bought cookie, it's probably not real butter. It's probably margarine. Yep. If you, you know, donuts or croissants or any of those kinds of things, again, probably like fried in vegetable oils or, you know, made with hydrogenated oils or vegetable oils again. The, the problem with using like a margarine, like a vegetable oil-based fat in those things is that vegetable oils are super high in an omega-6 fat called linoleic acid. You probably heard me talk about that tons before. Yeah. Linoleic acid is the precursor to, it's the building block for two of your endocannabinoids. One of them is called 2-AG, the other one's anandamide. That your endocannabinoid system is what <laughs> like THC from cannabis stimulates and it gives you the munchies. It increases right. your appetite at the level of the hypothalamus in the brain. Yeah. So, so nobody has half a cookie and says, I'm good there. Yeah. It's usually, I'm going to eat that cookie and then I'm going to want six more. Yeah. So it's a hyper palatable combo of a fat and sugar that doesn't exist in nature that just yeah. like tickles your brain, like ding, 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 all the reward pathways. Yeah. And then the fat happens to be this type of fat that increases your, or activates your endocannabinoid system. Like your endocannabinoid system exists within you. It's, that's a thing that, that you have within you. It happens to be that the molecule THC from the cannabis plant can activate that system. It also happens to be that the downstream molecules created from linoleic acid from seeds can activate that same system. It's all, those are plant-based triggers to, to a system that exists within you. Right. And one of the effects is it increases your appetite. Mm-hmm. And when you're having these hyper palatable foods and made with vegetable oils, you don't really ever reach a point of like satiety in your brain. We're like, I'm good. I don't want anymore. You get to yeah. like a, oh my God, I feel so physically ill. Yeah. Like I'm so stuffed that I can't swallow any more food. I feel gross. Yeah. But even your brain is still, hey, like <laughs> there's another cookie on the counter over there. Are you going to eat it? Are you going to eat it? I think you want it, don't you? And you're just like, your body is, I'm going to barf. And your brain is like, hey, let's get more. <laughs> and they sell cookies by the dozen in the grocery store. So <laughs> yeah. there's always more available. Yeah. So if you're going to do cookies, you're way better off making them yourself. Mm. If you're going to have a little treat or something. 
Use real ingredients, right? Use actual butter. Use natural fats, actual butter, coconut oil, cocoa butter. Yeah. They're higher in saturated fats, much more stable, especially the long chain saturated fat. Steric acid is known to suppress appetite. So you'll reach a point of being like good and satisfied with them much sooner than margarine based ones. And you can play around with different levels of sugar. (laughs) Like often recipes are so sweet, you Mm -hmm. know, that you can like reduce the amount of sugar and it still tastes good. Or there's like monk fruit sweetener and stuff like that that you can play around with. Find people that eat real food, find commercially produced things to be just too sweet, right? If your palate is anchored to normal tasting real food and you go eat like a cupcake or something, people are always like, oh, it hurts my teeth. (laughs) You know, so if you make it at home, I often find I can cut the amount of sugar like in half, maybe even like a quarter. Yeah. And it still tastes good. And if your taste buds work properly and your palate is normal, not corrupted with processed food. Yeah. Things taste good. Yeah. And then the other thing too is if you are going to make a recipe on your own, pro tip, cut that recipe in half, <laughs> right? Because it'll often be like this recipe makes 12 or 16 cookies or whatever. If you have 16 cookies in your house, you're going to eat 16 cookies. So yeah. cut it in half, minimize the damage and just, you know, yeah. get it over with and done. Our rule became, it started during the COVID lockdown that any treats we were going to eat, we just had to make from scratch. So we weren't telling ourselves no about anything. We just put, we had to put some effort into it. There had to be a bit of a hurdle. That's what made it special. That's what, you know, gave the kids something to do. You know, so we would make cookies or at one time I tried making croissants. It took all day, like 12 hours. We've made our own donuts from scratch and yeah. those kinds of things. And and what makes them special is they take a lot of effort and care and time yeah. and everything. And that's, you know, the way grandma used to do it. And it they were special treats because they didn't happen all the time. Yeah. And I find too that because if you're making a recipe of donuts or cookies or whatever, like you don't just get to make six different varieties, right? Like you kind of have your one recipe that you're making and there's something about the hyper palatability of having multiple different flavors, right? If you go for donuts at Tim Hortons and you have six different flavors, you kind of get a break from each flavor with each new one you're trying. And so you can easily eat a lot more. Whereas if you just have one type of donut, eventually or more quickly anyways, you'll, you'll be like, okay, I've had enough of that flavor. I'm good. Yeah. So you're not going to spend, you know, an hour on each recipe making 12 different kinds of donuts in your house. (laughs) You're probably just going to make one kind of donut, have a few and be done. Yeah. So So I think like on the theme of sugar from those two, from cereal and oatmeal, commercially baked goods, right up there as one of the worst things you can have in your diet is liquid sugar. So pop mostly, but also like very sugary coffee drinks, the frappuccinos, the things with syrups and swirls and all kinds of stuff like that. And smoothies. Yeah. Like a booster juice type thing where you're like, oh, but it has fruit in it. Mm -hmm. But you look at the ingredients and it's frozen yogurt or sorbet or like literally just flavored syrups in there. It's just sugar. Yeah. So I used to work in a restaurant, so I had free pop while I was working. Mm -hmm. And when I like needed to turn my life around and start leaning out and lose some weight, I cut out pop and I I drank iced tea more than anything else, but Mm -hmm. I cut that out. And in the first few weeks, I lost 10 pounds just by (laughs) not drinking liquid sugar anymore. Yeah. Because it's literally... Zero nutrition to it. It's just unadulterated carbohydrate, sugar, mm-hmm. calories. There's just like nothing to it. It's not going to fill you up. You can drink as much as you want mm-hmm. and just empty. Yeah. And there are satiety mechanisms related to chewing, mm-hmm. right? The act of chewing and like sensing everything, you know, in your palate and that connection to the brain. And when you just swallow, liquid sugar like that, it bypasses some of those satiety signals. So not only are you taking in a bunch of just pure energy calories, 
but you're getting no signal to the brain that those were there. If that makes sense. Like the, the process of chewing is important. So if whatever sugar you are going to choose to incorporate into your diet, make sure you chew it. Yeah. Um, I think most of us would know pop soda is super garbage. Yeah. I think sometimes people are surprised at the amount of sugar in, you know, some of the fancy coffee drinks or things like that, or like a booster juice, you think you're getting a healthy snack. The one I always liked was the mango hurricane. The regular size one is 85 grams of sugar. Yeah. And like you mentioned, a can of Coke's like 40. So it's like like two cans of Coke. So our kids like smoothies (laughs) and we make them at home. And again, instead of it just being like fruit and sorbet, you know, we put full fat yogurt, Mm -hmm. unsweetened yogurt in there. We throw some protein powder in there Mm -hmm. and then just a little bit of fruit and you know, it's not nearly as sweet and crazy as a booster juice, mm-hmm. but because we don't ever get them booster juice, they love them. Yeah. So they can have a smoothie and enjoy it and it tastes good because their senses aren't completely ruined <laughs> by, yeah. by manufactured food. So it might take a little bit of transition time if you're a smoothie person who's been going to booster juice, but it's so much better for you if you can you know, get some yeah. fat in there, get some protein in there. And just make it less sweet. Yeah, again, just like the cereal thing, right? Like tilting the direction where the fruit is more berries and there's less of it. And we use the like the 10% fat, the good thick yeah. Olympic crema Greek yogurt. That has some protein in it. We use the Brio Plus protein powder. So yeah. you, the protein's what's going to, you know, give you that satiety signal. It still can hit that cold, creamy, sweet spot. But you can greatly reduce the sugar and increase the good stuff. Yeah. And we'll... We'll use the external make popsicles out of that yeah. as well. Throw it on a popsicle mold. And yeah. And the kids love those in the summer. Yeah. They're handy to have around little protein fruit pop things. Yeah. So those are generally looked at more as kids drinks. Now we're going to be moving to the <laughs> Speaking of drinking your calories. drinks. Alcohol. alcohol. This is this is always a hard one for people to, to hear. Yeah. But alcohol is probably one of the worst things you can consume. Oh, unfortunately. No. Unfortunately. I will, will just tell you the truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not like we still consume alcohol sometimes. Yeah. It's still a thing. So I'm not standing in, you know, judgment and no one should ever have a drink, but just like the, the fully informed consent yeah. of, of what you're doing. We, I had posted a Huberman lab podcast. He had done all, it was like a two and a half hour episode on alcohol. Mm-hmm. And you're like, damn it, Andrew Huberman. Ruin <laughs> <laughs> all the fun. Yeah. <laughs> but it really is true even one or two drinks a day has like really, really negative health consequences and like long-term effects, long-term yeah. really negative stuff. There's, there, it's always been a little bit of back and forth, right? For a while it was like, Oh yeah, alcohol is great for your heart. Or they're, oh no, it's just a glass of red wine a day. We'll keep the doctor away. Isn't that apples? No, nope, it's wine. <laughs> but he's really looked at the science and the unfortunate thing is there's no science that shows that alcohol has any kind of significance benefit to the body yeah but there's a ton of it that shows that there's a lot of negative consequences to having consistent drinks and that's Mm -hmm. as little as one drink a day or five to seven a week yeah so that's not even a lot of alcohol for for some people but unfortunately again like there's the empty calories right and calories aside like alcohol itself is kind of digested differently than a regular carbohydrate right Mm -hmm. yeah ethanol like alcohol, ethanol is seven calories per gram, where fats are nine calories per gram, carbohydrates four, 
protein technically is also four, but that's stupid that we even assign a caloric value to protein that shouldn't exist. So it's kind of in between. It's kind of in between a carbohydrate and a fat. It's about seven calories per gram, but it's super toxic. Yeah. So it has to get metabolized first. So if there's ethanol present, your body halts metabolizing, you know, everything else, you can't burn fat. You have to get rid of this alcohol as quickly as possible. So it's sort of an all hands on deck, five alarm fire thing to get rid of the alcohol. It goes through like a two stage detoxification process in the liver. There's an enzyme, alcohol dehydrogenase, ADH1, that does the first stage of it. And if you can keep your alcohol consumption within the realm of what that enzyme can handle, it's like not the worst. But then if it spills over and then it goes to aldehyde dehydrogenase, ADH2, and then that's where the real toxic effects come when you spill over this like little minimum threshold. Right. And that's when you start to feel the effects, right? When it spills over, that's when you're starting to get tipsy and... Yeah, the effects are yeah. toxins in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> so alcohol is metabolized in the liver almost identically to fructose, to sugar. So it has, you know, the same creates fatty liver disease, eventually leads to like steatosis and, you know, liver failure if it gets bad enough. Mm-hmm. But the difference between alcohol and fructose is alcohol crosses the blood brain barrier where it has all kinds of toxic effects on the brain. Yeah. So even one or two drinks a day, five to seven drinks a week. That puts you in the top 10% of alcohol consumers, by the way. So it seems like not that much. It's actually a lot. Mm. Um, Super toxic to the brain. So impairs memory and learning, increases risk of dementia and Alzheimer's, you know, depression, anxiety, all all the kinds of mood disorders, because it basically like disrupts the metabolism of the brain. Yeah. So toxic to your organs, (laughs) toxic to your brain. Toxic to the mitochondria, the powerhouse of all cells, which increases your risk of cancer. So even low or moderate alcohol consumption greatly increases risk of cancer. Yeah. All cancers, but specifically ones like gastric cancers and stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really, it's, it's the worst. It's tough. And even <clears throat> if you don't give a shit about your health and all those negative consequences, if you're trying to like stick to a you know, healthy way of eating or whatever, you have a few cocktails, <laughs> you are way more likely to be like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's gonna let's have some hash browns at Denny's. Let's let's do whatever, right? It just it makes you way more likely to like fall off the wagon and make bad choices. So mm-hmm. all around, not great. Yes, decreasing your inhibitions, right, is sort of one of the goals when people are drinking. <laughs> except for yeah, that suppression of the prefrontal cortex impairs yeah. your ability to make good decisions. And now you're like binge drinking and binge eating. You yeah. know how many times did I? hit the bar in Halifax when I was in university and then hit McDonald's on the way home at two 30 in the morning. That's kind of how it goes. And then oh, you, yeah. like you said, then it's Denny's for breakfast the next day. You're hungover. You're like, we need some greasy, whatever <laughs> yeah. Denny's or McDonald's breakfast sandwiches. Yeah. So that makes it harder to stick to a healthy diet. Slippery um, slope. Even no. the one or two drinks a day. Oh, I had a glass of wine with dinner. I had a beer after work. Greatly impairs REM sleep. REM mm-hmm. sleep is when you do all your memory and learning consolidation. So like students, you know, that are studying for exams, but then also drinking, it basically like wipes out all of your learning or doesn't make it from short-term into long-term memory. People that are struggling to process, you know, trauma and grief, PTSD, that kind of thing, because alcohol impairs REM sleep. REM sleep is a very important part of like emotional processing. So it's kind of that, you know, downward spiral of, well, alcohol makes me feel better. And I, I, it, helps me fall asleep, which Mm -hmm. it doesn't really, that's unconscious, (laughs) not sleep, but then it's impairing your REM sleep. So then you're not processing your emotions. So then you're more emotional. So then you feel like you need to drink more and then it's this downward spiral. So um, we've talked lots about the importance of sleep too. So anything that impairs your ability to get a good sleep. And if you've worn like an aura ring or a whoop strap, 
And that's one of the first things people learn. They're like, ah, fuck. I can't believe how bad one or two glasses of wine yeah, is for my sleep. For sure. It's really shocking actually when you see the numbers. I've, I had a few when we were in Maui and like heartburn, way worse sleep, just like a general feeling of discomfort. Like yeah. it was rough. The good news is, is as much as science shows that alcohol consistently, yeah, there's a ton of bad effects. There's no science that shows that if you have a drink here and there, like once a month or whatever, one mm -hmm. or two a month, that there's any real negative long-term consequences. So again, just once in a while, try to save it for those like special occasions. And we'll probably do a podcast in the future on what you can do to kind of mitigate the risk of alcohol because there are mm -hmm. plenty of things that you can do. Yeah, because let's be real, people are going to drink. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But yeah, definitely one of the top five bad ones. I would say just rein it in. Yeah. You don't you don't need to drink every day. <laughs> Save it for the special occasions. And when you are drinking, it doesn't need to be 20, right? Yep. Just rein it in as much as you can. Yep. Drink water like a grown-up. You're not 18 anymore. Get yeah. it together. I mean, some people are probably 18, <laughs> but we are not 18. <laughs> it's like worse for 18-year-olds than it is for grown-ups, too. <laughs> yeah, alcohol in the developing brain is super bad. super bad. Which is why, you know... It's super unfortunate that that's the age where you want to drink the most. Like your brain is still developing until you're about 23 or 24. Yeah. But between, for me, 18 <laughs> and well, 16 and 24 was when I was doing my peak drinking like three or four times a night. A week. Probably, or sorry, three or four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a time once where I went to a, a daytime pub crawl and got super hammered and passed out and threw up and then got up four hours later and went out again to that next bar yeah and, see that's the kind of stuff you can only do when you can you're only 20. do that when you're yeah. young that yeah but when um, you're 44 <laughs> it doesn't happen anymore <laughs> that's probably why my brain is the way it is okay number five this is probably the worst one yeah. we saved it for last mostly because it makes all of the other ones worse mm. so that is commercially fried foods so we're talking about anything like you go to a restaurant and you order like chicken fingers and fries that's been like battered and deep fried or you know donuts or whatever anything that's been deep fried in a restaurant or if you go into a grocery store and order and get like a bag of doritos those have been deep fried mm -hmm. so the big problem with the commercially fried oils is they're using those industrial seed oils mm -hmm. but when you heat them and cool them, it kind of changes how bad they are, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, most, like a commercial deep fryer is going to be using some kind of vegetable oil, seed oils. Yeah. Generally, corn, canola, sunflower, safflower, soybean oil. Sometimes restaurants will use rice bran or grapeseed oil. Those are all super high in linoleic acid. It's an omega-6 polyunsaturated fat. Every unsaturated is where there's a double there's a double bond. And each one of those double bonds makes the fat vulnerable to oxidation, which is kind of like rust. It's what makes fats go rancid when you have that like funky smell to them. Right. As a note, when they produce hexane extracted, high heat extracted seed oils, they have to deodorize them and bleach them because otherwise they would smell so awful, you would never eat it. Right. <laughs> so they go through an extra whole stage of deodorization and bleaching in order to make them even remotely palatable to humans. But anyway, if you ate, say like a cold pressed canola oil and put it on a salad, eventually that linoleic acid in your body would undergo the process of oxidation just from the heat of your body, from being exposed to oxygen free radicals, it would happen eventually within you. If that fat has been in a deep fryer and heated 
constantly. They're not switching the fat, the fryer oil every day. Yep. It's at least a week that most restaurants are keeping fat in their fryer before they're switching it out. Every time it's heated at high heat, more and more of those linoleic acid molecules are oxidizing. And so then you are consuming already oxidized seed oils, right. which are super toxic. You know, they're, they gum up your mitochondria. It impairs your ability to make energy. They're toxic to your cell membrane. So it impairs, causes insulin resistance. It's what causes the, you know, damage to your arterial walls that leads to cardiovascular disease, impairs your brain function, like all kinds of horrible things. Right. They also, in that process of high heat, produce aldehydes. Go ahead and Google <laughs> the word toxic aldehydes. You'll see that the toxic aldehydes are what make cigarette smoke, carcinogenic. That's what's produced when ethanol is metabolized into acetaldehyde. And then also we get these 4-HNE, 4-hydroxynononol is the aldehyde produced when linoleic acid is oxidized. Right. So not good. Yeah. If you want to read some horrifying stuff, go read about toxic aldehydes and their effect on the body. Yeah. So anything that comes out of a commercial deep fryer is going to be like one of the worst things you can eat. So yep. French fries, especially because they can soak up so much of the oil with the starch in there. Yeah. Chicken wings, chicken fingers, chicken nuggets. Most um, of those proteins are like battered. So, yeah. so again, they're soaking up more of the oil. Yeah. Dry ribs. And then like you said, any kind of like chips, tortilla chips, movie theater popcorn, anything that's got high heated vegetable oil. So popcorn isn't itself deep fried, but they'll they'll cook it with yeah. like a soybean oil or something. And so that's a heated oil mm -hmm. that gets all over the popcorn. Yeah. I looked it up one time because when we were going to the movies, they used to use coconut oil, which is one of the most stable fats. It's about 90% saturated fats. Great for high heat cooking. Yeah. And the I looked it up and it's cooked in this stuff called vegetal. And I was like, what even is that? And I so I like got down this rabbit hole of looking up like where you can source these industrial. It comes in a box to go in the popcorn maker and stuff. And I was trying to find ingredients from it. And it basically is just like a generic bunch of just vegetable oil. It mm. says it's, it's probably human remains. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, human fat would be better than vegetable oil. <laughs> At least it's saturated. <laughs> At least, well, depends if you've been eating vegetables I guess or not. So, yeah. We're just like pigs. Our fat can vary greatly depending on what we eat. Yep. So um, anyway, that's a tangent. So yeah, anything that comes out of a commercial deep fryer. And you know, sometimes people will go, oh, but I ordered the sweet potato fries. You're like, sorry, that doesn't make a bit of difference. That's yeah. not even remotely a healthier thing if it still was just a processed starch that went into a deep fryer. Yeah. So, so you're getting like often a carby thing mm -hmm. that's also been like soaked in fat, but mm -hmm. then it's specifically the type of fat that it has on it that makes it the most harmful. Yeah. And then again, if you like go back to the baked goods, like bread on its own is, you know, kind of bad. But then if you deep fry bread, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden five times as bad. Now it's a domino or a pizza hut, pizza crust. Yeah, exactly. So, and then the other thing is, you know, the combination of alcohol. And if you do have high linoleic acid in your, mm -hmm. in your body, the effects are way greater. Yeah. The toxicity of alcohol, because like I said, it breaks down into an aldehyde, acetaldehyde, makes the toxicity of linoleic acid worse. And linoleic acid makes the toxicity of alcohol worse. They both exacerbate each other. Yeah. There's an interesting study in rats where they fed them a high polyunsaturated fat diet or a high saturated fat diet while consuming a high amount of alcohol. These rats were just wasted. <laughs> and the high saturated fat diet was completely protective of any liver damage from the high alcohol diet that they were mm. on, which was interesting. They only developed all of the fatty liver and hepatic steatosis and stuff from their alcohol when they were consuming vegetable oils. 
So, you know, sometimes you read that story of the old guy and he's 103 and all he does is drink whiskey and eat salami. And people yeah. are like, how on earth is he staying alive? You're like, actually, potentially there's maybe something to that, that yeah. he was only eating like protein and animal fat. And it was actually quite protective. Not that from, we're saying you should do that. No, don't do that. <laughs> but, but there are um, those people out there, you know, alcohol on its own has its effects, but it's greatly amplified if you're also eating deep fried food with it and right. deep fried food is much worse if you're also drinking alcohol with it, which is why the old bender and then go to McDonald's yeah. on the way home is like, the or worst. you go to the pub and it's like nothing but deep fried food yeah. and alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why there's not a lot of super healthy fit people hanging out in pubs. Yeah. And that's something as like a keto person that's high fat people go, Oh, I got the chicken wings. And you're like, ah, but just cause it's high fat, doesn't automatically make it a good option just because it's low carb yeah doesn't automatically make it a good option and that's at least partially why i'm so hostile <laughs> towards <laughs> the idea of a macro-based diet where you just count your macros and make it fit because to just say fat grams well which ones yeah. because some fat is great and you know super helpful it makes your brain function better it makes your skin look better and mm -hmm. you know all these wonderful effects and then some of them are so toxic that they're giving you like dementia and cancer and heart disease and liver failure. It's yeah. like, we can't just say fat. <laughs> it's sure. not all the same. Yeah. I heard about this donut place and I was looking at his website and on there it says, our donuts do not use refined oils. And I was like, really? I was like, that's amazing. Like I, and so I messaged them. I'm like, I saw on your website that you don't use refined oils. What fat do you fry them in? Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, maybe we should change that. We, we don't like make the donuts with any refined oils, but we do use refined oils for cooking them <laughs> well that kind of it's like in the dough the dough it's like what about the big deep fryer you dumped yeah. them in? <laughs> yeah. so when we make donuts at home which we've done a few times it's a fun project with the kids you make the dough and you let it rise yeah. and the whole deal we fry them in lard just like old yeah. school get the lard from like a good butcher with pastured or free-range pork because that will make a big difference for sure commercially produced pork fat has a fatty acid profile almost the same as canola oil. Mm. So you got to make sure they're being fed properly and not also being fed right. a bunch of corn. And, and canola is not be. the worst, but the worst of all the seed heated oils. and cooled and heated and cooled, it gets progressively worse. Yeah. It still has a, a fairly high proportion of yeah. linoleic acid, but it's not as high as I think safflower or sunflower oil are the worst. They're over like close to 75% yeah. polyunsaturated fats. Canola oil is actually only like 30 to 40. Right. So Palm still, oil is better, but it's just like super bad for the environment, right? Yeah. So the tropical oils are very high in saturated fat. So cocoa butter, coconut oil, and palm oil. Yeah. From a fatty acid profile perspective, they're fine. They're nice, stable, saturated fats. From an environmental perspective, what goes into basically like clearing the rainforest to grow palm yeah. for palm oil is not good. But as far as your health, it's not the worst. I saw that Krispy Kreme Donuts uses a combination of ethically sourced or whatever palm oil and high olic sunflower oil yeah so not the worst as far as i like donut surprisingly yeah <laughs> oleic acid is a mono unsaturated fat that's like what olive oil is quite high in yeah. oleic acid yeah so there you go so it's like less terrible if you're gonna if you're gonna do it maybe krispy kreme's the best <laughs> <laughs> david's trying to make a case for krispy kreme this is like those people that are like i heard a glass of wine is good for my heart you're like that's a pretty big stretch i heard krispy kreme is good for me <laughs> <laughs> david said david said krispy kreme's a health food i'm pretty sure okay so top five worst ones cereal even in the shower <laughs> baked goods pop or any kind of liquid sugar drink whoops and then alcohol 
and commercially deep fried foods. So, okay, we're going to, we're going to turn our life around. We're going to, you know, new year, new me. We're going to make some good choices. Now we're not going to do any of those things anymore. Now, often people start trying to make better decisions. Mm -hmm. And then unfortunately they're sort of misdirected and start making Mm -hmm. choices they think are the best, but are often, you know, overrated. Yeah. I, to me, one of the most tragic, frustrating things is a person that does want to turn their life around and then is just given such terrible advice. Yeah. And then they follow the terrible advice and then they're like, oh, I felt awful and it didn't work for me. I didn't get any healthier. So I guess I'll just go back to eating junk food because yeah. <laughs> that wasn't worth all the effort. You're like, no, it wasn't that. It was just, you were given shitty advice. Yeah. So the first one, almost everybody associates healthy diet with fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Think I'm going to eat a healthy diet. I'm going to eat more fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Like everything from Elmo to Eat Lancet, <laughs> which is like a big international organization everything's about fruits and vegetables fruits and vegetables yeah certainly eating whole fruits and vegetables is better for sure than cereal and grocery store cookies and like ultra processed food yeah it's a step in the right direction so these ones that we're saying are overrated i'm not saying they're actively harmful i'm just saying they're not that beneficial either yeah or they're not as beneficial as they're hyped up to be yeah yeah fruits and vegetables people are often like they're natural and they're from nature and it's all you need. And you eat 80% fruits and vegetables and you're good to go. And they start spouting, you know, things like nutrients. And I always go, which ones? Yeah. What, so what are we talking about here? So let's, let's start with fruit. So what do you get in fruit? Well, mostly vitamin C, C, right? Which very few people in the modern world are deficient in vitamin C. Mm -hmm. And then you've got, you know, well, there's fiber in, in fruit and there's, you know, whatever, there's potassium in, in bananas, <laughs> but it's like, you really don't need all the sugar that comes mm-hmm. along with the fruit to benefit from a little bit of vitamin C or a little bit of potassium or something. Yeah. Don't be telling me you're eating fruit for vitamin C. If yeah. you cared about vitamin C, you would eat cauliflower yeah. or a bell pepper. For sure. Right. Fruit's delicious. You just eat fruit cause it's tasty. Yeah. That's good. It's a treat. It's delicious. Yeah. Eat it seasonally when it's, you know, fresh and local and tastes amazing. What you don't need is five fruits a day. <laughs> you know, like that's too much fruit. You just don't need that much fruit. Yeah. But it's super delicious. I could easily eat like a banana mm-hmm. three times a day. Yeah. With, especially if I had some peanut butter in there. Hell yeah. Yeah. Starch it's and delicious, fat, but it's like, that's way more stuff than you, than you need. Right. Yeah. I'm certainly not going to get, you know, enough potassium out of those three bananas to justify all that sugar <laughs> that I'm eating. Yeah. I think, so that's kind of the thing. It's not actually harmful. It's not a, objectively bad yeah. for you or anything. It's just, it's not providing really much of anything that you need. So yeah. no protein, there's no essential fatty acids. Um, there's people love the word polyphenols and antioxidants. And it's like, eh, I think yeah. a lot of that stuff is like really overhyped. Yeah. You'll find epidemiology, epidemiological evidence linking people that eat more fruits and vegetables tend to have less chronic disease. Yeah. Cause they're just, if you're eating more whole foods, you're automatically eating less processed foods. Yeah. So that's a step in the right direction. But anytime they do a randomized controlled trial, which is they, the like real science. Yeah. Where they have a control group and an intervention group. And this one eats, you know, X grams of fruits and vegetables a day. This one doesn't blah, blah. They can't find any, they can't support the effects that seem to be there in mm-hmm. the, associative the correlation data one was oh well we think these polyphenols and antioxidants are have anti-cancer properties so we think we're going to find 
less markers of DNA damage with people, you know, given certain amounts of fruits and vegetables. So there should, if that's true, there should be in a, in a dose response manner, more protective effect or less DNA damage. I think they did 200 grams, 600 and 800 grams of fruits and vegetables. No difference <laughs> in markers of DNA damage made no difference. Yep. Other things, you know, blood glucose management or weight loss or all that kind of stuff. The, the, benefit of fruits and vegetables is that they're not processed foods. Right. <laughs> that's the main thing. You're substituting garbage food with something that's much more natural yeah. and, you know, yeah. better to eat. Certainly zucchini zoodles are yeah. better than pasta. For sure. Right? So it's just any, it's not a processed food. Yeah. But other than that, there's not a whole ton of benefit. Yeah. To Back you. to the like vitamins and, and minerals as well. Like mm-hmm. vegetables will often be like stout, touted as like super high in certain minerals and mm-hmm. vitamins but then those vitamins often aren't even really bioavailable to humans or they're way less efficient than other sources. So you might be getting a, you know, a bunch of iron in your spinach, but that doesn't mean that iron is actually like working its way into your system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you put it through a mass spectrometry machine, it'd be like, oh, this has you know, X milligrams of iron. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to hit my iron requirements. And then you're like, you know, why am I still anemic? Yeah. <laughs> I eat tons of spinach. Well, you can't absorb that type of iron very well you need a different form. There's right. different forms of vitamins and minerals. There's different things needed to trans- digest them and transport them and incorporate them into cells and all that. So you need heme iron. Heme iron is transported across your gut barrier at like a hundred times the rate of just like free iron like you'd find in spinach. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all kinds of mitigating factors. Vitamin C can increase iron absorption. Other things can block iron absorption. You right. can phytic acid or calcium or, you know, your digestion, the state of your gut microbiome, all kinds of things can change how well or how poorly you incorporate those vitamins and minerals into your body. There's also different forms. Like you think vitamin A, people think, oh, like you need vitamin A for like your eyes, like night vision. I'm going to eat my carrots or my orange peppers or my yams. That's beta carotene. That's a precursor to vitamin A. Vitamin A that you need in the animal form is retinol. So you need preformed vitamin A, which is what you find in like egg yolks and liver and that kind of stuff where it's already in the form it needs to be because that conversion from the plant form to the animal form is is generally really poor. Right. You can do it, but it's just, it doesn't convert very well. Some of the vitamins and minerals are like four to 10% beta carotene to retinol or the omega-3 ALA that you'd find in like flax seeds to convert to the form that you need DHA or EPA like you'd find in fish. Yeah. You can do it, but again, it's like a very inefficient conversion and stuff. So you just end up with way less. It's like being paid in a foreign currency and the exchange rate's really shitty. The like trillion dollar Zimbabwe (laughs) bill. Yeah, I'm going to give you a trillion dollars and you're like, sweet. And then I hand it over and you're like, this is only worth three cents Canadian. You're like, that was shitty. So yeah, yeah, the form of vitamins and minerals you'll find in fruits and vegetables is generally not very bioavailable and not generally in the form that you can use to its peak. And then the other thing is people say, oh, it's natural. I can eat these. And yeah. fruits and vegetables, like modern fruits and vegetables are no longer natural. Yeah. Right? Like they've been genetically modified to maximize flavor and yield. And they've, in that process, decreased the nutrients. We went up north to Ryan and Jasmine's camp and we're picking like wild blueberries. Mm-hmm. And they are these tiny, kind of tart, kind of sweet little blueberries. Mm-hmm. And then you go to Costco and they're like these plum-sized, <laughs> giant, monster, super sweet things. It's like, yeah. well, that's no longer a real blueberry. Yeah, you know? that's a selectively bred yeah. artificial. 
most of the fruits and vegetables that you see when you walk through the grocery store don't exist in nature. Yeah. Those aren't real foods. Those are things like you said that have been selectively bred for hundreds or maybe a few thousand years for flavor, you know, maximum sweetness, starchiness, less fiber. And more recently they breed them for like pesticide, like pest resistance, like durability for shipping, yeah. <laughs> all these factors that go, none of them being nutrition or even really flavor anymore. Yeah. There's a, a great book called, I think it's the, the Twinkie Deconstructed. Yeah. Talk it talks about all tomato. about different. Yeah. And they, he calls them red tennis balls. <laughs> these things in the, in the grocery store, like it's hard. Yeah. It has no flavor. It's low in all of the things you would want, like vitamin C and lycopene and all this stuff yeah. for a tomato that you yeah. grew in your yard. And it's like a deep red and it's so flavorful and, you know, it's kind of soft and it rots right away. Yeah. If you take it off the vine versus these, the red tennis balls, yeah. <laughs> he calls them. It's such, it's so true. Yeah. So, and I think people are surprised. We're so removed from our food system now. People are surprised at how little actual variety there is that most of the green vegetables come from the same plant. Right. So you're not actually eating a wide variety of different plants. You're eating the same plant in different forms. So like Brussels sprouts, cabbage, what else is it? I, remember I posted it on the keto athlete a few months broccoli ago. Broccoli, cauliflower, cauliflower, kohlrabi. People were like, those are all the same plant. Yeah. You're like, yeah, those are all the same thing. There's, yeah. It's not variety. Those are just. We just tinkered with it a little. We just tinkered with it. It's like yeah. dog breeds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like kale doesn't exist in nature. That's a selectively bred version of wild mustard yeah. uh, plant. So, so yeah, don't. It's not that fruits and vegetables are bad. They're not inherently bad. No. If you're going to if you're going to choose those over processed foods, great. Great. Step in the right direction for sure. They're just not the be all end all that people say that they they're are. Not the there's still a lot, to health. Yes, there's still a lot more better options. Yeah. And then <clears throat> people think, okay, well, if fruit is good, then juice must be good as mm -hmm. well. So juice is the next one on our list. I'm going to be a healthy person. I'm going to juice in the morning in my little juicing machine, I'm going to go to the juice bar. I'm, I'm going to stop drinking Coke. I'm going to start cleanse. drinking orange juice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or people are drinking like, you know, so there's, you can juice things yourself in yep. your kitchen. You can go to the fancy juice bar. Yep. You can drink like pomegranate juice or kombucha yep. or things that like present themselves, market themselves as being healthy. Yeah. So here's the thing. I probably couldn't sit down right now with five oranges and eat them all in a, in a minute. But... I could easily sit down with five oranges worth of juice and drink that in 30 seconds, Yeah. right? So when you juice something, you still get a lot of the vitamins, the vitamin C, <laughs> <laughs> but you're taking out a lot of the fiber. Mm -hmm. We'll talk more about that later. But then you're also like getting all of the sugar. Yeah, you know? all the sugar and speed. Yeah, so you're, you're speeding up the process of eating it, getting like your blood sugar to skyrocket again mm -hmm. for the sake of a little bit of vitamins you know yeah. like that doesn't really that's not a healthy decision yeah you know? if you're gonna drink something you need to just drink water drink water and if you're gonna eat sugar of any kind chew it yeah <laughs> right just like we talked about yeah yeah i think when it comes to sugar sugar and speed yeah. do not mix so anything that increases the rate that you can get the sugar in you and the rate that it's absorbed and makes its way into your bloodstream makes it that much worse. Yeah. So if you had to peel an orange and chew the orange and then swallow the orange, it would just, it would take you a long time. Yeah. If we did a 20 minute AMRAP of how many oranges can you eat? There's in 20 minutes, peel, you know, 
slice, chew, all that kind of stuff. Maybe five, four or five. I don't know. Yeah. Before you would just be bored of it. <laughs> Versus if I gave you like a big jug of orange juice and was like, AMRAP, you yeah. know, how many calories of oranges? Oh my God, you could yeah. slam so much. And you wouldn't have the satiety attached to it because you're no chewing, no fiber, nothing at all that's going to slow it down or make your brain recognize what's coming in. Yeah. So juice, juicing, and all that kind of stuff. Highly overrated. Highly overrated. You don't need to do it. If you're going to have some kind of fruits or vegetables, just eat them. Eat them. Yeah. Yeah. And juice for kids, no no person needs to eat juice, but especially not kids. That's one of the, I want to say one of the worst things you can feed kids. That's not true. It's one of the sleeper things that people think they're giving their kids a healthy option. They're actually basically, you yeah. may as well just give them soda. It's the same. Yeah. Very little. Tons of sugar. Not a lot of not, any other not stuff. Not a lot of anything. <laughs> Especially some of the juices out there where it's, it's not even blended up fruit. It's just like 10% apple juice and then a bunch of sugary. <laughs> High fructose corn syrup. Yeah. The like red the dye quote number unquote 40. juices. Yeah. Yeah. So what juice does is remove the fiber. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about fiber. Fiber's number Oh three. my God, fiber, fiber, fiber. There's <laughs> definitely the nutrition people out there that are just fucking all about fiber. Yeah. And that, so that's why it's in our category of overrated, yeah. <laughs> I think. It's not that it's bad for you. It's just not necessarily as important as people make it out to be. Yeah. Again, not the panacea of health, the yeah. more fiber you have. Whole foods tend to be higher in fiber. So. Yeah. Again, with epidemiology evidence, you see people that tend to eat a high fiber diet tend to have better health outcomes, less chronic disease. Yep. It's not the fiber itself. It's that fiber is a proxy for how processed the food is. Right. Because, and we know that because in, in randomized control trials, interventional trials, you can't take a processed food and add a fiber supplement to it and get the same benefit. So you right. can't drink orange juice and take a Metamucil and have that have the same effect as if you just ate oranges. It's right. not the same thing. So fiber alone isn't really health protective at all. Whole foods are better than processed foods. That's true. Whole foods tend to have more fiber than right. processed foods. If you have a healthy gut microbiome, fiber, your gut microbiome will take care of the fiber for you. It will ferment it into other short chain fatty acids or some other vitamins or minerals or things that can be helpful. Um, but you have to have a healthy gut microbiome for that to work. Most people these days do not have right. a healthy gut microbiome for a variety of reasons. Alcohol, <laughs> stress, antibiotic exposure, pesticides on the food, glyphosates and stuff that kill the little bugs, destroy your gut microbiome. All kinds of things can cause a disruption. So fiber is fine or possibly beneficial from whole foods for most people or for people with a healthy gut microbiome, but all the people that don't. So what I've learned so far is that most chronic diseases come back to one of two things, the health of the microbiome and the health of the mitochondria. Right. Almost everything. So I posted a paper recently about people with rheumatoid arthritis that a particular type of fiber, beta-glucan, made rheumatoid arthritis worse because they had a, a bad bacteria in their gut. The fiber was feeding the bad bacteria that was giving off like an inflammatory signal that was causing an immune reaction that was making their arthritis worse. Hmm. People with any kind of inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's, colitis, chronic constipation, fiber is a no-go. The most effective treatments are zero carb, zero fiber for those things because they don't have a they don't have the microbiome that can deal with scratchy, indigestible fiber. Right. So yeah, I think it's unless you have specific chronic health issues or gut issues, eating fiber is fine. You don't need to go and supplement it. Yeah. So lots of processed foods that 
you know, show high fiber, like the cereals and things we were talking about, or some granola bar, high fiber or psyllium husk or whatever. That doesn't matter. If it's, if it's artificial, like supplementary fiber added back in, it's not making it healthier at all. Just eat real food. Just eat real food. Yeah. (laughs) Over and over. He'll say that over and over. Okay. So another, I mean, this has been very like trendy. I feel like the trend is dying out now though. When people are like, I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to order a Beyond Meat burger instead of a regular burger. (laughs) I'm going to go plant-based meats, plant-based proteins. So number four on the list, plant-based proteins. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say especially soy, which we'll get into. Mm -hmm. It's not that like the plant proteins themselves are that bad, but I would say soy can be bad. Mm -hmm. We'll get into that in a second. So I feel like the biggest problem with plant proteins is that chances are you're supplementing an actual protein, an animal protein or better protein to eat the plant protein. And plant proteins are just inferior. Mm -hmm. There's just like all around they're inferior. Mm -hmm. I'm currently reading a book right now that basically like debunks the whole vegetarian. Yeah. Plant-based everything. Plant-based everything. And they talk about the like effect it has on the body, the effect it has on nature, the effect it has on like costs and you know, environmental everything and all around plant proteins are worse. They're mm-hmm. just a trendy thing that everybody's talking about right now because people don't want to hurt cows. The ultimate win for a processed food company is to sell you cheap inputs at a high price. Yeah. And so, yeah, guess what? They fucking love selling you plant proteins, beyond meat, impossible burgers, whatever, because what are they made from? Pea protein isolate, soy protein isolate, yeah. garbage cheap inputs it's basically just like canola oil and processed plant proteins yeah super cheap inputs and they add a moral price tag to it because you're a better person you're beyond meat you know so it costs way more than ground beef so that's the ultimate win and guess of course they're marketing it super heavy and recruiting celebrities and making it a cool trendy thing to be all you know in tune with whatever the plant-based agenda and stuff. Cause that's, that's a big win for the processed food company. So yeah. don't be dumb. Don't fall for that. You the basics know. behind it is a plant protein is not a complete protein, right? It doesn't have all the amino acids that you need to make it a complete protein. So you're going to need more of it or multiple variations in combination to get the right, you know, nutrient profile. Mm-hmm. Chances are that's going to come along with a lot of excess carbohydrates that you don't even realize you're eating. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to get, all your protein from chickpeas, you're going to end up consuming hundreds of more grams of carbohydrates just to get that protein that you could just as easily get from a meat source. The bioavailability of plant proteins is way worse. Mm-hmm. So not only is the number on the label, you know, going to be lower than a, a beef or a chicken or something, mm-hmm. you're also not even going to be able to digest all of that. So you're going to end yeah. up having to eat more than the recommended amount mm-hmm. all around for you. It's just not nearly as good. I've posted a few studies actually using the impossible burger and like the plant-based meat substitutes about circulating amino acids, like one and two and four hours after ingestion. And yeah, even though it says the same amount of protein on the label, it's about, I think it was about 30% less if that don't quote me on that number, but it was substantially less bioavailability, less gets in you. And then like you mentioned, the amino acid profile. So there's 20 amino acids. There's nine essential ones that you have to get from the diet. Three of them are particularly difficult to get from plant-based sources, methionine, lysine, and leucine. Yeah. 
So if people are contemplating a plant-based diet, you don't just want to go like plant-based sources of protein. You need to type in plant-based sources of methionine, plant-based sources of leucine so that you're managing getting all the amino acids. Very difficult to do. And then you end up even, you know, if you're trying to, you know, maybe you're supplementing hemp or pea protein or soy protein or something, you're going to end up with too much of some of the other amino acids that you can't use. And then because they can't, it's like a rate limiting thing. It's like trying to build a Lego figure, but you're missing one piece. You can't build the figure. Now all these other pieces are just left over. Yeah. So all the other leftover pieces, it actually ends up being harder on the kidneys for them to deal with the, the leftover unusable protein because you're missing one of the building blocks. Yeah. So you can end up stressing the old kidneys, even though vegans and vegetarians are often protein deficient. They're actually having some symptoms of protein overnutrition, which is weird right. to think of it that way. But yeah. Anyway, don't fall for the hype. Yeah. That's not real food. Yeah. That's just expensive, fancy marketed garbage processed food. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. We won't get into the environmental stuff because that's a whole podcast on its own. God, yeah. But the one thing I do want to touch on with soy specifically mm. is that soy has a tremendous hormonal effect mm-hmm. and, the, and the hormone it affects is estrogen. Yeah. It's a phytoestrogen. You've probably heard the term soy boy or whatever, <laughs> right? When you talk about it. I don't even want to describe what a soy boy probably is, but it's, it's a real thing. Yeah. So if somebody has both male and female has too much estrogen in their system, it like drastically affects who they're, who they are, what their physique is, what their like actual health is. Mm-hmm. Soy has a like remarkable effect on hormones. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and, and, you know, people have been having soy in their diet forever but it's, it shouldn't be a super high quantity. It shouldn't be like the only source of protein that you're getting. Mm-hmm. So when people are swapping, you know, milk for soy milk or like lots of tofu or whatever, it's like there's a lot going on there that we're not even 100% sure what's happening. And even in cultures that that did do consume a lot of soy, they have elaborate preparation, mm-hmm. uh, like cooking methods mm-hmm. around like ferment, like properly fermented soy turning into tofu and stuff versus the way it's done commercially. Yeah those processes are what render some of those phytoestrogens less harmful, right? They figured out how to prepare an otherwise harmful food into something that you can actually consume. So some of those things can be okay, but they have to be prepared in a very like traditional way to make them digestible and not harmful. Okay. So you're like, all right, I'm with you. I'm not eating this plant-based protein stuff. I'm too smart for that. I'm going to eat real animal protein. People are like protein. Yeah. I'm going to say, so Keep in mind, we're talking overrated. Yeah. Egg whites and chicken breasts. Yeah. <laughs> overrated. Overrated, for sure. Yeah. You're taking, let's start with egg whites. You're taking one of nature's best foods and removing the best part of it. <laughs> Where all the nutrients are. <laughs> Damn it. All of the nutrients are in the yolk. Yeah. And you're going to remove that and only get the protein from it. Egg white protein is great, for sure. It's yeah, good. It's fine. But it's better with yolk. You know, you're getting all the nutrients, you're getting good, healthy fats, you're getting like all the best stuff when you eat the entire egg. Mm -hmm. It's everything needed to make life. Yeah. If you take a nutrition 101, which if you haven't, you should. One of the crimes against nutrition that I list is eating only egg whites. Yeah. And the crime is throwing out the yolks. Yeah. Give them to me. I'll eat them all. (laughs) That's nature's multivitamin. Yeah. And again, this is another reason why I'm hostile towards macro counting approaches is they'll be like, Oh, but I'm, it's so much fat in the yolk. I'm trying to, you know, hit my fat macros. I'm like, so you're going to, cause you're trying to hit your stupid macro number. <laughs> you're going to throw out one of the most nutritious foods on earth. Cause it had three grams of fat in it or something. Yeah. What? 
This makes no sense at all. So yeah. there's some rare nutrients, choline, which is the precursor to acetylcholine, which is a neurotransmitter in your brain, reward, motivation, drive, focus. You definitely need acetylcholine. Also initiates REM sleep. So definitely got to eat your egg yolks for that. Vitamin E, biotin, which is B7, all part of like hair, skin, nails, but also needed to process protein. So if you're just eating the egg white, you're going to be biotin deficient. Vitamin, did I say vitamin A, retinol already? Like lots of, so much good stuff in the egg yolk. So don't skip the yolks. And actually, pro tip, the more are the less cooked the yolks, the better. Yeah. So if you like a good sunny side up or a good runny yolk or a soft boiled egg, that's actually better than a fully cooked yolk. Yep. Um, and then along with that, the chicken breast, right? Like so many people, myself included, at one point in his life has been like, I'm just going to eat brown rice, chicken breast, and broccoli. The old bodybuilder diet. <laughs> yeah. And chicken is great. Like it's, it's totally fine. It's a good source of protein for sure. But just chicken breasts alone, like there's not a ton of nutrients other than the protein within the chicken breast. Yeah. So if your only if your only meat source is chicken breast and egg whites, you are drastically limiting your nutrients. Mm-hmm. And there's priority micronutrients that tend to be the the big ones that are the most important, and the ones that people tend to be deficient in. So iron, zinc, B12, folate, which is B9, some of the big ones that are the most important for the way your body functions and people tend to be deficient in. Like we said, chicken's a great source of amino acids and yep. protein and stuff, but it's just not doing much else for you. So that's why we call it overrated. Yeah. Someone a little while ago, a female went to donate blood and her hemoglobin was right on the borderline and she was almost denied being able to donate blood. And she was like, oh my God, she's, I had no idea. So that's borderline anemic, like low mm. iron basically. She's, I eat, you know, I, I'm not a vegetarian. I eat meat. She's, but I mostly just eat chicken, I guess. She's like, I need to eat more, I need yeah. more red meat. I need to eat more steak. So yeah, yeah, you definitely have to make sure you can't just eat protein. <laughs> yeah. You need something to provide energy. So you need protein, but you got to have enough carbohydrates or fat. Take your pick where you prefer to get your energy from. Chicken's too lean. So when we do eat chicken, I I always cook it or prepare it with more nutritious stuff yeah. and with much more fat yeah. to bring the... Like brown meat will be better. There'll be a higher fat content in the brown meat than the, the white dark, meat. Yeah. Or the, yeah, the dark meat, I guess. But still, don't mm-hmm. just eat chicken. Mix yeah. it up. And just like pork, chickens are monogastric. So if you're going to eat the fat, the fattier parts, try to get it from a, yeah. a pastured free range source as opposed to a commercially produced source where it's fed corn and soy and then... Yeah. Chicken fat also can be very high in linoleic acid, just like pork. Yeah. So try to get it from a good source. We're lucky where we live. There's tons of good farmers and stuff around. Yeah. Good places you can hook up with. So we've got overrated in terms of a healthy diet, fruits and vegetables, juice, fiber, plant proteins, or meat substitutes, and then lean meats like chicken and egg whites. Now for the good stuff. Oh, let's go positive now. (laughs) Let's talk about the good news. Okay. Tell me, just tell me what to eat. Fast forward to this part if you yeah. just want to know what to eat. So let's just, jumping off from the chicken and egg whites thing, if you're going to eat your animal-based protein and you want all the nutrients that go with it, red meats are a better option. Yeah. Ruminant animals are your friend. Yeah. Beef, of course, grass-fed beef would be better, but commercially prepared beef is actually fine. If you're going to spend your budget on something, you're better off spending it on pastured pork and chicken rather than grass-fed beef. Grass-fed beef is better for the animal and better for the environment, but from a nutritional perspective, it's not that different because the rumen of the animal takes care of 
the garbage yeah. day, if you feed a garbage so day. So ruminant animals have this magical ability to mm-hmm. take all those vegetables and all those nutrients in those vegetables that you think you're supposed to eat and turn them into the bioavailable ones that you actually need. Yeah, into the animal-based form that yeah. you need. And it's all the bacteria in the in the rumen that does that. So beef, bison, elk, venison, moose, goat, all your good red meat. So that's going to be higher in heme iron, creatine, carnitine, B12, big time, B9, much better sources. Yeah. Much more nutrients accompanying the good protein that you get. And then if you're getting it from a good source, also has good fat right. in it too. Along with getting more nutrients, we talked about vitamin C. Yeah. Not a lot of vitamin C in red meat. No. <laughs> that's the main essential vitamin that you need that's difficult to get from animal foods. Right. So I'm not a hardcore carnivore advocate. I think carnivore diet has its place and it can help a lot of people. Um, but I, I don't think it's necessary for everybody by any means. Yeah. So what plants you are going to incorporate, I think fermented foods are yep. the bomb. Sauerkraut, kimchi, sour pickles. Again, recruiting the help of little friendly microbes yep. that ferment the food. It's an old school way of preserving food. Anybody that has you know, the old Ukrainian baba that lived on the prairies and they would grow their cabbage and make their sauerkraut and yeah. can pickles and beans and carrots and stuff. And that's what they ate all winter was preserved fermented foods before right. refrigeration, before anything else. That's how you ate most of your vegetables all year. So you'd get the same kind of like nutrients and stuff, vitamin C and whatever from the mm-hmm. fermented ones. They're just better for your gut microbiome, yeah. help you with your like regular digestion and just inside health. Yeah, really good for your guts. And some of the fermentation process will free up or release more vitamins. The bacteria will create more nutrients for you. Right. Little helpful bacteria. So yeah, super good for the gut. So where people think gut health, they think fiber. If you don't have a great gut microbiome or you have some chronic disease issues or you have some gut issues, don't go the fiber route, go the fermented foods route to right. rebuild a healthy gut microbiome. And that can be like yogurts and stuff as well, right? Yeah, like actual fermented yogurts. Pro tip, if you have an instant pot, it has a yogurt setting oh. on it. So you, if you can get like a good source of milk, you can buy the yogurt culture starter. I bought it on Amazon one time and you can make your own fermented yogurt. It's kind right. of a fun project to do. Yeah, so any fermented foods, but also like yogurts and hard cheeses, fermented vegetables, that kind of stuff is great. Okay. And then... Back to what we talked about earlier, eggs, mm. nature's wonder food. The whole egg. The yeah. whole egg. Eggs so, are amazing. Yeah. You can, there's a whole thing that's been going around the internet lately that I've seen about eating 30 eggs a day mm. and it's people have compared it to doing a cycle of steroids or something like <laughs> yeah. that. So it's not that you need to eat 30 eggs a day, but having like good orange yolk, mm. like awesome eggs are amazing. That's oh. probably like the food I eat the most consistently. Yeah. Man, yeah. I had sunny side up eggs today and i was like i made you look at them yeah, look, look at the so yolks orange. on these things they were so dark orange they were almost red yeah we get the free run eggs from the co-op and they're always they're as far as the color of the yolk goes they're always the most amazing yeah i yeah. i eat i probably like somewhere between four and ten eggs like normally i'll have four or five in the morning and then sometimes if i'm just bored and i can't think of anything <laughs> else to cook i'll just have more eggs later yeah so i eat a lot of eggs but they are I just never get sick of them and they're like so good for you. You know, and for a while it was like every egg you eat is like smoking a cigarette because eggs have cholesterol. <laughs> yeah. 
why do you think eggs have cholesterol? Because cholesterol is essential for life. You yeah. need cholesterol. It's part of every, you know, the integrity of every cell in your body, in your brain, everywhere. You need, cholesterol is the building block for your your steroid hormones. Yeah. So if you're going to, yeah, testosterone, estrogen. If you're going to get the benefit out of weight training, you, I posted a study a little while ago about eating eggs. So the, specifically they were attributing it to the cholesterol from the eggs increased muscle protein synthesis post strength training because you had an adequate amount of cholesterol coming in. Your body can synthesize cholesterol, but, and that's probably where the kind of old school bro science bodybuilder thing about like eating 30 eggs a day is like doing a cycle of steroids yeah. is because it increases muscle growth and testosterone right in a healthy, natural, not roided out. <laughs> <laughs> no needles necessary. No needles necessary. Just uh, eggs. Just eggs. Just eggs. So, and then on with that same like high nutrients, next thing is going to be bone broth. Mm -hmm. And that's like specifically about the like the marrow, right? So those two are probably interchangeable. You could have bone broth or you could just go straight to the source and get bone marrow. I th Okay, so bone marrow is amazing. Yeah. Inside bone nutrients. Fun fact, a little, we go in the way back machine. <laughs> Some people attribute the inflection point of the growth of the human brain, like when we basically separate it from the other primate branches to our ability to scavenge inside bone nutrients. So there are carnivores, there are herbivores, there are omnivores. What a human is, they think, is a lipovore. Specifically, we figured out how to use tools to get inside the bones, mm -hmm. which has all of this amazing, fatty, super nutritious stuff. So it was part of becoming bipedal, freeing our hands, the ability to use like percussive tools to hammer things if you came across carcass like we were originally probably scavengers rather than predators the lion or whatever already killed the animal the meat left over for the scavengers is really only good for a day or two but mm -hmm. the inside bone nutrients are preserved for a long time so the right. bone marrow in the brains and when we got good at that it was all this like highly nutritious stuff but also super like calorically dense which supported the, the energy needs of this big growing brain so right. bone broth or like bone marrow specifically i think is like core to who we are as humans with these big brains yeah. <laughs> bone broth has so you take the marrow bones the like big thick marrow bones with the juicy stuff in the middle but you also use joints and you try to throw some like skin knuckle joints that kind of stuff so then you get all the collagen right so you get three amino acids in a really high concentrated amount glycine proline and hydroxyproline that you need to build collagen like most of you is collagen <laughs> the Dry weight of bone is over 50% protein. It's collagen. Your bone is a collagen matrix. People think bone, they think calcium. They mm -hmm. think the minerals. It's actually mostly protein. Skin, hair, like organs, the structural integrity, even of your, of your fat, your um, adipose tissue that's like subcutaneous under the skin. It's in a collagen matrix. So the difference between smooth skin and cellulite, bumpy stuff, that's collagen. That's the difference between smooth fat and bumpy it's the collagen matrix is all fucked up basically right. when you don't have enough collagen so it's funny that it's like trendy now to call it bone broth as opposed to broth it's like any of our grandma or great grandma would be like that's just how you make broth <laughs> yeah. that's just soup <laughs> that's just you know that's how you're supposed to do it yeah because they recognize that those were not nutrients to be wasted so you've got the bone marrow all the good stuff there you've got the the joints all the collagen coming gelatin collagen from there and then you've got the bones themselves 
and you add, when you make a bone broth, you add a little bit of acid, usually apple cider vinegar, a couple tablespoons in the crock pot and the acid frees the bone nutrients. So calcium, magnesium, and phosphorus that help you build your big, strong bones. And so you can use that for like soups. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to make a soup, don't make like a vegetable broth, make a bone broth. Mm -hmm. If you want, you can just drink it, right? I've heard of people doing, they don't like coffee, so they do a bulletproof bone broth instead of a coffee. Or you just, like we use it to make rice, Mm -hmm. you know? So when when our kids are going to have rice, they're also getting the benefit of bone broth. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a super easy way to get it in, right? So you take rice that's just like starch, providing basically no other nutrients and you cook it instead of cooking it in water, you cook it in bone breath. So now it's this like rich, delicious, super nutritious way to get lots of bone breath into the kids. And you can bone breath is cheap to make it yourself. You yeah. buy the big bag of bones for 20 bucks. Yeah. You get a big crock pot or soup pot going on the stove. You can make a ton of it for pretty cheap. Yeah. If you just put, it's not even hard to do. It just takes about 24 hours to let it. Yeah. You just let it sit in a slow cooker. Yeah. And then I, freeze it in little amounts or bricks and have it ready to throw into soups and sauces and stuff all the time. Yeah. So that's definitely like one of the most nutritious things out there is bone broth. Yeah. Okay. Last one. Top of the list. I'll give you one guess what it's going to be. Again with the nutrient stuff, but this one is not nearly as delicious or (laughs) enjoyable. This one's, this one's the like, you don't want to take your medicine, but you kind of have to. Yeah. Liver. Liver. Yeah. Yeah. You knew I was going to say liver. That's like my mission is to try to get everybody to figure out a way to eat liver. Yeah. I get it. It's gross. I also hate liver. Some people like it and kudos to you if you like eating liver. That's awesome. Good on you. I don't. You don't. I've never tried to feed it to the kids straight. Like Like we've just, yeah, we've never cooked liver for them, but we've hidden it in food. Oh yeah. I'm all about hiding the liver places. So you've probably seen or heard me talk about, I freeze raw liver cut it into little like pill-sized chunks and just swallow it about half an ounce a day. We'll grind it and mix it in with ground beef. You can also buy organ blend meat from like Pig and Pantry downtown or you can order organ blend meats. Hide it in like a chili or a spaghetti sauce or something fairly flavorful. You don't smoothie. even know it. <laughs> smoothie though. Gross. It has that, can you imagine, has that really metallic uh, taste to it. So bad. But you don't need much. So yeah. that's the good thing is like a half ounce a day. Yeah. About- three to four ounces a week is well, really you'll be hitting the targets and it's super dense in folate. So vitamin B9 in a good bioavailable form, retinol. So that's vitamin A, B12 for sure. That's one of the best sources of B12. It's obviously high in protein. It's really like the most nutritious thing you can eat. Right. All your B vitamins and raw liver actually does have some vitamin C. So when I did strict carnivore, it's probably two years ago now, I did six weeks of strict carnivore Mm -hmm. and I was like, eh, I want to make sure that's where I started the raw liver thing. People are like, why do you eat it raw? It doesn't have to be raw. And in fact, Jill Van Kessel was like, don't do that. You're going to get worms. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So trust the microbiologist. Yeah. She's smart on that stuff and take her advice. You can, you can cook it. You can soak it in like a lemon juice or an acid of some kind before you freeze it if you want to. Yeah. Make you, sure you get it fresh from a good source if you're going to do the raw liver thing. She did send me a paper. It was in fish, but it showed that if it was frozen below minus 19, which is what your freezer is for two weeks, it killed most parasites and stuff in there. So that's good. I haven't died yet. Yeah, that's good. So. You can get the desiccated like liver capsules oh, yeah. and stuff as well. That's how you do it. That's how I do it. They're way more. It's way more expensive that way for yeah. sure. And I am like planning on trying to move over towards actually eating liver 
So we'll see how that goes. Planning on trying to maybe <laughs> move. <laughs> I'm going to put it in my cereal in the shower and <laughs> make the best of it. Yeah. So liver is the best thing you can eat. Probably. Liver is the most nutritious, best bang for your butt. <clears throat> yeah. In terms of serving size, in terms of calories, it, it's the most nutrients yeah. per gram per calorie. I'm going to throw in an honorable mention mm. because we didn't really touch on it. And it is something that's fairly important. Some sort of like omega three source, like a fish or, you know, like a sard, like a cold water fish, right? Like mm-hmm. sardines or something like that. That again, not a lot of people like eating sardines. Yeah. None of the things we listed are super high in omega threes, but it is definitely something that's lacking in a lot of people's diet. So mm-hmm. honorable mention, yeah. Throw cold water fish in there as With well. Cold water fish. Yeah. And same thing, like try to, uh, wild salmon's better than farm salmon. Yeah. You know, try to get good sources. The, your smaller little fish, your sardines and mackerel is another one. I feel yeah. like people forget about mackerel as a good oily cold water fish. Sardines and the little small ones that you can mush up into tuna salad yeah. with the bones and the eyes. Yeah. Actually, like nobody likes to think that they're eating fish eyeballs, but those are super dense in lutein, which is something you need for your own eyes and vitamin mm. A, things that are like also super nutritious along with the omega threes. Yeah. I did a project last semester and on, on you, on me. <laughs> no, on you, <laughs> okay. and was struggling to come up with what's a nutritional recommendation for this guy who already eats really well and is lean and is super healthy. <laughs> and one of the things we came up with was recommending increasing your intake of omega threes from whole foods. Yeah, grass fed beef is a little higher in omega three versus grain fed beef. Yeah, pastured eggs, same thing. So it depends on the source of your animal foods whether they have omega threes or not. Right. But yeah. We probably could have thrown an, an additional six, the best food in there of like really any kind of seafood. Yeah. Fish, shellfish, oily, cold water fish, lots of great nutrients in those things too. Oysters has yeah. tons of zinc. Yeah. Shellfish is great. There you go. Yeah. Bonus. Honorable round. mention to the sea. <clears throat> to the sea. <laughs> we live so far away from it that we're I like, know. what? It was an ocean. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So quick review. The worst, worst things you can eat. Cereal, Baked goods, liquid sugar, pop, frappuccinos, whatever, alcohol, mm. sorry guys, and then commercially fried foods. Yep. Overrated fruits and vegetables, juice, fiber, plant-based protein alternatives, and then lean meats. Yep. The best foods the best on stuff. earth. You've got fermented foods, bone broth, eggs, beef, liver, and then seafood. Honorable mention to the sea. Yeah. And with beef, I'll just say red meat because there red is, meat, yeah. we've got lots of hunters and Bison, people that can source elk, like elk deer, and all, all that stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Really good. Cool. There you go, guys. Cool. All right. See you in the next one.